to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, I'm joined by Irene Lefton, a customer success thought leader, and we'll be talking about a very important topic in our field, gender diversity. Irene recently led a panel on this topic, and for those of you who attended the Pulse conference last week, you know this was also highlighted there as well. This topic is near and dear to my heart as a former tech executive and now a female founder, and I'm excited to talk about this today. So Irene, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. You've been on the podcast before, but it's been a while. So for those who don't know you, can you provide a little bit of background on how you got into the field of customer success? Sure. I feel like I've been in customer success my whole life, (laughs) but I've been working in customer success for over 20 years in different forms, you know, running support Mm -hmm. and running professional services and customer success and post-sale organizations. These days, I focus on startups and I usually hold the role of VP of customer success at early stage companies like series A, B, or C companies. Mm -hmm. I'm in between right now and I'm working on a book called Who Speaks for the Customer. And when I'm not sitting in a company running customer success, I'm out evangelizing it, as you know, Kristen. Yes, you are at all of the events, which is great. Um, Before we dive deeper into the topic, I want to call out today that we're going to be specifically focusing on gender diversity. Diversity. And this is not the only kind of diversity that we need to be paying attention to as a tech industry or in general, but we needed to kind of keep this topic tight today or we would be here talking about this all day. Um, can you share, as we go into this topic, can you share your perspective on why gender diversity matters? Yeah, well, diversity of all kinds and genders a part of that increases performance in companies. And Mm -hmm. this is a really well-known fact, um, especially at the executive level. If you look at the recent McKinsey report that came out, um, they look at what quartile a company is in terms of their gender diversity specifically, Mm -hmm. and then they look at their performance against other companies in the same industry. And they find that uh, you know, by gender, 20, you get 21% of the companies that have strong gender diversity, actually, they perform 21% better than the average of all the other companies. And if you look at overall diversity, it's 27%. So it's really clear that it makes a difference to have a diverse team. And yet today we don't. So, Irene, you shared some statistics about gender diversity in tech and specifically in customer success at the beginning of a panel discussion that you did a few weeks ago. Could you share some of those highlights with our audience? 
Sure. So um, there's a ton of research that's been done around this area and a lot lately because it's a very hot topic Mm -hmm. right now. Overall, uh, by role, men and women, uh, you know, have in the tech industry overall, you have about 20 percent, 19 percent women and 81 percent men. And Mm -hmm. when you look at the director and manager level, it's like 84 to 16. And when you look at the executive level, it's 90 to 10. So the numbers are pretty bad. When you look at customer success, it's a whole lot better, but there are Mm -hmm. still some challenges. So when you look at overall, like your your practitioners, your customer success managers, you actually have like 54% women, 46% Mm -hmm. men. And when you look at managers and directors, it flips. It's 46% women, 54% men. And when you get Mm -hmm. to the executive ranks, it's only 26% women, 74% Hmm. men. So as you move up the ladder, you know, climbing the ladder seems to be a part of the problem by gender. Women fall off the ladder as they're climbing into the more senior rank. So it's good that customer success is significantly better than the tech industry as a whole, but we still Mm -hmm. have the same problem reflected there. And there's also other areas like pay equity, which we Mm -hmm. haven't looked at specifically in customer success, but in general, women are paid uh, a lot less than men you know, probably 25% mm-hmm. less than men. There's a, there's a study uh, about that and hired that came out recently. And you have just a bunch of differences in terms of the public perception of that too, because people don't always understand that those wage gaps exist. And the wage gaps are partly because women are in different roles and they're partly mm-hmm. because women are just paid less, even if they're in the same role. So I I also wonder a little bit if it isn't to some degree to do with where people are coming into customer success from. We had a study that we did in the fall that indicated that, you know, men were coming into the field in terms of the frontline roles anyway. um, More men were coming in from roles in sales and roles in management and more women were coming in from roles in customer service. And I think that the customer service roles tend to be paid a little less than sales and management roles. And that might be some of the reason for why the pay gap exists in our field anyway. It was specific to customer success though. And you know, it, it didn't totally account for it. It was a little bit of that, but not entirely that. So I don't know. Have you run into anything like that? I- I, I have seen your data on it, and I think it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's enough statistical data in that area yet, although I mm-hmm. think more is being collected now. What I do find yeah. interesting is that there is a tendency now for some companies, especially public companies or companies that are really concerned about their brand in terms of diversity, because that's a mm-hmm. part of a company's brand, there is a tendency now to do these uh, equal pay studies to have audits. Mm-hmm. You know, they bring in outside people to audit uh, pay gaps and bring and make mm-hmm. corrections um, in the wages. And what's really interesting is one of the speakers on the panel was talking about that they had done that in their company and they made a whole bunch of adjustments. They had a whole bunch of of women and and people of color that they needed to adjust and bring up to scale. 
And a year mm-hmm. later, they did the study again, and they were back in the same boat. So <clears throat> even just in promotions and things like that, things got askew in terms of the pay gap. So I think it's more institutionalized than we realize. Yeah. What are some of the other reasons that you're hearing for the gender gap and the pay gap? Could you share some of those reasons and your thoughts around those? Yeah. I mean, it was great to have the panel, excuse Mm -hmm. me, because we actually, you know, we heard from different people's perspectives on that. But I think they're there are a lot of reasons. So it starts off with what they call the pipeline problem. Mm-hmm. And the pipeline problem is, is you know, I was surprised to find that there are a lot of jobs that, that in the applicant pool, there are no women. It's only men applying, even in the applicant okay. pool. And so if you don't have women applying, you're certainly not going to get women into those roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had, uh, we talked a lot about, and when you do have women applying, frequently they are hired at much lower rates. So that's another mm. that's another kind of pipeline problem. So the less women you have, the less women that you're going to hire, right, in the pipeline. And mm-hmm. you look at, um, actually, in one of the Pulse talks last week, they were showing some statistics. And in 1984, in technical jobs... Uh, women were represented about 25% of, that's a little mm-hmm. less, I think it was 24 point something percent of the graduates in technical fields like computer science, engineering, mm-hmm. and things like that, and including business school. And today it's down to like 11%. So from a mm-hmm. education and pipeline problem, we've actually gone backwards in terms of the skills that are needed. So that's that's one area that's talked about quite a bit. There are a few others, though. There are a lot of areas that impact things. I mean, women have families. No matter what mm-hmm. you say, no matter how much the men in the families, and they've stepped up a lot over the years to participate, you have mm-hmm. uh, women still bear the primary responsibility for family. Mommy's the one who has to give birth so there's time off work yes. for, for pregnancy leave and things like that. So that's another area that's often discussed. There's a lot of co- uh, cultural socialization things that are talked about. They ha- their social norms when they're growing up are different. So we have a lot of social bias. Very few mm-hmm. women learn golf, for example, and golf is still uh, in the business world, a kind of a a club that you need to be a part of as you move up the ranks. I actually have a story about that. I was going to share that with one of my later questions, but I'll just share it now since you brought it up. Um, I was going to ask you, and I will ask you in a minute about where you experienced some roadblocks in your career um, because of your gender. But one of mine was when I was younger and I was in sales, um, I was the only female salesperson on a pretty large sales team. It was about a 25 person sales team. And for our annual meeting, we had a golf event and I didn't know how to golf. And so I ended up sitting at the clubhouse with some of the wives of the executives who were there and all the guys went out and golfed without me. And they came back and they had made friendships and they had, you know, um, talked about the deals that they were working on. And I completely missed out on all of that because Mm -hmm. I didn't golf. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, you know, social, social kind of socialization things. And the biggest one I think is, is bias, just conscious or unconscious bias. And I actually think a lot of it is unconscious. We have Mm -hmm. a long history of a patriarch society and not only Mm -hmm. in America, but across the world. And so, you know, women, being in leadership roles, women moving up the ranks, women being in the room even is uh, relatively new in the scheme of things. It's it's in the last mm-hmm. 50 to 100 years. So I don't know. I think there's uh, many reasons why we have a gender gap. But to me, the more interesting thing to work on is what do we do about it? Yeah. Well, we'll come to that. I wanted to ask you just on a personal level, have you run into roadblocks in your career because of gender? Have you managed to somehow skate around that? Oh, I've run into them. I've skated around some of them. I'm sure I haven't skated Mm -hmm. around all of them. (laughs) But uh, let's see. So I... I was very intentional in my career about making sure that I always had coaches and mentors. And that was very helpful to me. So I learned that when I got my MBA, you know, a counselor there said, hey, you're going to have to, you know, business is all about relationships. And wherever you go, you should find people who are going to advise you and guide you and coach you. So that was one thing that I did that probably helped me skate around some things. Um, Mm -hmm. I've certainly been the only woman in the room, the only woman on the executive team Mm -hmm. in a number of the companies that I've worked at. And often the other woman in the room is either from marketing or HR, which are the two other what they would consider, quote unquote, pink jobs in Mm -hmm. business and kind of pink collar jobs. So I have, uh, you know, I just remember, I do remember early in my career, I was probably in my 20s, being taken aside by a manager who was not my manager, but was a peer to my manager. After a meeting, she pulled me aside. She said, I want to talk to you in my office. And I went in there Mm -hmm. and she closed the door and she said, I heard you say that you're not technical you never say that. She said, you never claim to be not something. You're technical Hmm. enough or you wouldn't have this job. She said, so don't belittle yourself by putting it out there in a public way. So if I ever hear you say that again, I'm going to come slap you. And I thought, (laughs) (laughs) she was, you know, she was joking about it, but I mean, she was serious. It was really, really good advice. And I heeded that advice, you know, I, and that was just unsolicited by her. So I was just really lucky to have good coaches and mentors. I have had, like, I had one job I interviewed for, I was probably in my late twenties or early thirties. Um, I was, I wasn't exactly changing fields, but I was moving into out of a consulting kind of arena. I used to work for Price Waterhouse, where I was doing software development work for clients and leading teams mm-hmm. doing that into doing it for a software company. So this was my first time moving into a tech company. Okay. And I was going to be uh, leading a services team there and the senior sales guy, we reported up into sales, the senior sales guy who would have been my boss's boss. I had an interview with him. And one of the questions I asked him was why there were no women on the board of that company, because it was Mm -hmm. a very large public company. I'm not going to name it, but it was a very large Mm -hmm. public company and they had 17 
board of directors and not a one of them was women. Now you hmm. see, you see boards that are all male and mostly all white male still even today. California's mm-hmm. legislated to make that change over the course of the next year or two because they've mandated that public traded companies have to have females on their board. But he was so offended by that question that the guy who want the hiring manager who really wanted me on the team, he liked me, mm-hmm. he felt like I would be a good person there. He asked me to come back and re-interview and he told me that I needed to be a little more feminine and that they didn't want to hire a radical feminist. And that by asking that question, by simply asking the question of why wasn't there a woman on the board of directors, they labeled me as a radical feminist. That's amazing to me. Now, the most interesting thing about it, though, is I got the job because I went back and I said, oh, by the uh-huh. way, you know, I'm not out protesting and marching, <laughs> although actually I did. Were I you marched- more ladylike the second time around? <laughs> I guess I certainly certainly dressed out of my gray suit. You know, I used I I came out of Price Waterhouse. I was used to dressing, you know, white collar shirt and and gray suit or navy blue suit and not a lot of jewelry and things like that. So I certainly softened myself up. But we had a conversation about it, and I told him, "Look, you know, I want to advance my career, and if you were in my shoes, you would want to advance your career too." And it's a fair question, and we had that conversation in the second interview. I ended up being mm-hmm. very close with that gentleman. Um, you know, he's my boss's boss. He's still somebody I keep in touch with, and would be a, a outstanding reference for me. So we got over that hurdle. So I guess I could yeah. say I wouldn't say I skated around it. I would say I skated right through it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I do well, good for you. I do see bias in the workplace all over the place. I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder often, you know, how culture change is really hard and this is a big deal mm-hmm. and it's very complicated. I mean, you just think about the Silicon Valley startup environment and this is something Amelia Dianzica brought up on the panel. You know, she's Italian and in her language, her natural language, male pronouns and female pronouns are very specific. And here in the U.S., we tend to use mm-hmm. general pronouns like you guys or dude. And it can be for either <laughs> men or women. And this is really prevalent. Yes. And actually, she's very offended by it. And she believes that by saying, hey, guys when there are women in the room, it's a, it's a subversive under the cover undercurrent of a message that it's, it's a male society. I agree with that. Actually. I think that, um, you could just say you, and that includes everybody. And we have a tendency and I catch myself doing this too. I, I catch it more easily when I see it in my writing and the writing of other people, but you just take the word guys out and accomplish the exact same thing. Exactly. Or so, you can say people. You all. Or, or everyone. Us, or, yeah. 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 There's a lot of different uh, words that you can use. So I just think yes. it's a really deep-seated cultural thing that's not going to change overnight, but we have to bring it to a conscious level. Yes. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Do you need training for your customer success team? The Success League offers both instructor-led online classes 
and on-site team workshops. Our online classes are one hour long and offered at two different times each week to serve our global customers. They're a fantastic option for geographically dispersed teams or teams who want to build their skills but don't have a lot of time each week. Each online class includes exercises, a worksheet, and a resources list so that CSMs can keep learning beyond the session. On-site workshops cover core skills in-depth and incorporate discussion, group exercises, and role-playing to drive learning and teamwork. They are a wonderful choice for teams who work in the same location or groups who are getting together for a company event. For more information about our online classes or our workshops, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. I also want to remind you that the Customer Success Network hosts customer success events all over the Bay Area. These meetups occur once a month and include networking, presentations, and lively roundtable discussions about important topics in the field. Please visit meetup.com slash customer success network to see a list of upcoming events. We would love to have you join us. And now back to our interview. So even though we've been talking about this for years, I mean, I feel like we've been talking about gender in the workplace since I started in the workplace over 25 years ago. We've been talking about it a long time, but there's still a lot of bias in the workplace. So where does that come from, do you think? So, you know, shifting the mindset is where I'd like to focus. And I really do think that it ha- that you have to have intentionality. You have to intentionally mm-hmm. want to shift the focus because the status quo is just that. It's going to be it's going to be unequal or unequal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we talked in the panel, I asked. We had a gentleman on the panel who was a a black gentleman. Right. So he had his Mm -hmm. own set of diversity issues, not necessarily gender, but now he's in senior management and his team is 50 percent women on their management team, on their whole. They're all employees. They're almost 50 50 as a company. And that's that's a really huge accomplishment. And I was talking to him about. So how did you get there? And he said, well, first of all, you know, it's a lot of intentionality from the top. So they do things Mm -hmm. like. They blind, they uh, redact names off of resumes for screening. Oh, wow. Before you get to the interview process, you don't know whether the resume you're reading is a man or a woman because there have been tests that show that they put a man's name and a woman's name on the exact same resume. They send them at different times through the same screening panels and the women Mm -hmm. get called back for interviews less frequently by like a third. Wow. And the, and the, the school, the, it's the exact same resume, word for word, except for the name. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bec- they, they redact names off of resumes. They do blind, um, you know, blind interviewing. When there's testing to be done, they do blind testing. So you don't know whether it's a man or a woman who's answering the questions. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that there are some other areas that you have to, and it has to start at the top because if the senior management doesn't really care about diversity and everybody says they care about it, but actions speak louder than words. <laughs> yes. If you don't model it, if you don't have women at the management level, if you don't take women who might, so especially in the pipeline problem and the hiring problem, you know, you might mm-hmm. need to hire people who don't quite have all the skills that you need, that you need to grow into the roles which takes Mm -hmm. time and effort. And it's an easy excuse to say, well, I want to hire somebody who can just walk in and do the job. And that's a man because they happen to have the experience. 
But if we fall into that, all that we're doing is, is feeding the vicious cycle. We never break the cycle. So I think, you know, coaches, mentors, those are all things that we have to do to, to shift the mindset. You've got to be very intentional about it. And there's a lot of things that you can do also just to bring it to a conscious level. Like they say, when you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. So you can amplify voices. It's really interesting. Uh, women, women are less likely to speak up in meetings that might be cultural or might be that they're not given the opening to do it. They're not called on. Um, but there, you know, you, you have to amplify women's voices. You've got to be able to amplify the voices. Often a woman will make an, a suggestion in a meeting and then it'll be ignored or passed over. And then 10 or 15 minutes later, this has certainly happened to me. Someone else will raise the exact same suggestion and it'll be jumped uh-huh. on and it's a great idea. Well, that can happen with men too. But when that happens, go back and give the credit where it started. Right. Amplify that this was Kristen's idea. Yeah. I think, you know, that that partly falls to those of us who are in leadership as well to really make sure that, you know, if we're leading a discussion and we're in a room with men and women, that everybody's getting a voice. And that, you know, we're catching things like that and making sure that credit is given where it's due. And we're really actively listening as leaders, because I think we can help guide a lot of that. So I think that's a piece of it, too. And that's the responsibility of those of us who are in leadership roles. Exactly. I agree. And I think it has to be very intentional. You have to be focused on it, because it's really easy to just let things slide and let things unfold as they're normally going to do. It's one of the reasons Mm -hmm. why I like to use facilitators in meetings, because even with Mm -hmm. the intentionality, you're in the meeting, you get into a discussion, you have a strong opinion about it, you have your own point of view, and you're going to be focused Mm -hmm. on that and you forget to focus on hearing other people's points of view. And sometimes mm-hmm. having an outsider in the room can really help to balance the voices and can really help to balance right. the input that's coming. Absolutely. I want to zero in on women's access to coaches and mentors. You mentioned that you've had great coaches and mentors over the years. Why do you think that is such a challenge for a lot of women to find? And I think another thing that I've heard is, it's useful to have a male mentor. And I'm curious about why women can't mentor each other or why maybe there aren't as many female mentors out there. Well, I think there aren't as many female mentors in the higher ranks because there aren't as many women in the higher ranks. So you need to be mentored up, up, right? You need to have people that Mm -hmm. are more experienced, have be in a more senior role than you. That's, that's really important in mentorship. So I've been Mm -hmm. very lucky and fortunate and also pretty intentional about finding coaches and mentors. And Mm -hmm. I think it is a big challenge. I do think women can mentor each other, but I spent a lot of time in women's groups. I I've been on the board of, of, on the founding boards of women in technology groups. I've been involved in women Mm -hmm. in technology groups throughout my whole career. And it's great, and we help each other, but it's mostly women in the room. And when you look at the big picture in the workplace and you think about what we just talked about with the intentionality and everyone needing to participate, the men are a big part of the solution. And so Mm -hmm. when women are helping each other, you can only go so far. 
You can help each other with your personal skills and your development. You can help each other become more assertive. But you can't help how your voice is received in a room full of men. There's Mm -hmm. still bias that's going to exist there. I also think that in the complex times that we have today, so I think there's a number of reasons. In the complex times we have today, I think that the there's a big Me Too movement around sexual discrimination and sexual harassment in the workplace that has caused men mm-hmm. not to want to have personal time with women. It's made men more leery of building personal relationships. Mentor relationships are very personal. You get to know one another very mm-hmm. deeply on both sides. And with the Me Too movement, I think there's a lot of men that are have said, I don't want to be in a room alone with a woman because I don't want to have a meeting. I don't want to go to lunch. I don't want any wrong. And I understand where they're coming from. They're trying to adapt. This is a big, complicated area. But I do think that it's yes. gotten even more complicated today. And this is a, a symptom of the fact that we are in a society where we're going through a pretty major change. And there's always a lot of turbulence and adjusting that happens when those changes are happening. Yeah. I mean, I love it that women are feeling more confident in being able to come out and say what has happened to them because that stuff's been going on forever. And it's been so hidden. So many people have had to feel like they've had to hide what has happened to them. And it's pretty pervasive. But you're right. It can make the guys, the great guys that are out there who could be coaches and mentors really nervous about doing that. And, um, and it, it, and so it's like, we need to find that balance of not quieting those voices of the women. They need to be able to say what's going on. And at the same time, we need to be able to find ways to make it safe for guys to be great mentors. So It's a challenging, you're right. It's absolutely complicated and a challenging subject and something we need to be thinking about. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that the, there's a lot of things. I mean, it starts, it starts with, and you're a founder, so you know this, it starts with the Mm -hmm. the few number of women founders, right? And then you have the few number of women executives that rise to the CEO or the COO level. It's handfuls. It's literally handfuls. And so... You don't have people at the top ranks who can help bring the younger people up. And we have to, we have to cross genders to be able to do that. And I actually think it's good because crossing genders and having different mixes, you get a different perspective and you need both. You need both. You need, you need to have both to rise all the way to the top. You've got to be strong with your data and your numbers and your um, execution on things. And you also need to be able to mm-hmm. read people and lead and understand, have empathy and understand all the components of the emotional intelligence side of things. So we need everyone. We really do. And we mm-hmm. need to balance each other out. Yeah. And it's going to be a windy road to get there. Yeah. Well, and I, I kind of want to us to wrap up this topic with maybe some practical suggestions for people who are in the workforce now. I'm watching my daughter look at this situation. She's 14 and she's, you know, planning to go into the workforce in the next within the next decade. And she keeps asking me, she's like, Mom, why is it still like that? You guys have known about this for years. Why haven't you done anything about it? And um, and so, you know, it's really hard to answer that. It's a pretty complicated issue. But 
you know, I think there are some practical actions that that all of us could take to maybe move things forward. So I don't know if you have like a little list of those things that you could share with us. And I know you've shared a few, um, but any ideas there? There are a few. I mean, I have shared a few. So I think the first thing that we all have to do, and it's the first step of any kind of change management process, is acknowledge what exists. So understanding that there's unconscious bias, understanding that there's even conscious bias and that it's out there and recognizing that and calling it out when you see it. So Mm -hmm. working on it personally, you know, I'm always working on my unconscious bias, my own personal prejudices and all of that. We all have to do that. So that's one thing that everyone can do. I think Mm -hmm. supporting women, you know, whether you're a woman or a man, supporting women who are on the path to leadership, who are aggressive, who are assertive, aggressive, trying to go in that direction, offering them mm-hmm. support, helping them, coaching them, mentoring them, lifting them up instead of pushing them down. So when somebody mm-hmm. comes to you and says, you know, I really want to do this, and you think in your mind, oh, my God, that's crazy, you're never going to be able to do it, rather than saying to that person, that's crazy, you're never going to be able to do it, say, wow, that's a big goal, how can I help you? And let them mm-hmm. find their own failures and their own growth by helping, being a more helping yeah. kind of a personality. So I think that's a huge thing that we can all do, calling out the discrimination when you see it. If you're in a leadership role, being a lot more intentional about filling the pipeline and maybe hiring the second, third, or fourth best candidate who happens to be a diversity candidate and helping them grow into the role. That's something mm-hmm. that I think that everybody can do. Amplifying the voices, I've talked about that. And yeah. you know, one other thing that we can do is paying attention to this. So when you go mm-hmm. to work for a company, ask the questions like I did, you know, way back when, especially if you're a woman and you want to have a career path. Ask what the company's diversity plans and policies are and and look beyond just what's written in the company culture, because every single company has it in their company culture statement that they value diversity. Sure, But look at the makeup of the team. Look at the makeup of the executive team. Call it into question and maybe don't go work for the companies that don't do it. You know, speak with your feet, so to speak. Yeah. And stop saying you guys. <laughs> Just say, say you all. One. You all. Go, go, su- hey, go Southern. Y'all. <laughs> Just say hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I think that that's, that's an easy one. I have to catch myself on that one. Okay. So you've been on the podcast before. So you know that we kind of shake it up at the end with the last question. So what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? There are so many things happening in customer success right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is a tough one to ask you because you're a thought leader in our space. But if you had to pick just one. Well, I think, you know, I think what we're seeing already is we've crossed some hurdles. So I think we mostly have a seat at the table. I think we're seeing a convergence of um, revenue responsibility, which is really important. So I feel like we've moved the needle in a lot of ways. Uh, I see definite trend toward more integration with product and uh, customer success working more closely together. I call them the power couple. Uh Uh, The new power couple is product and customer success. But the biggest trend I think I see is that 
there's so many new, there's the technology around customer success, like Strike Deck, is, is growing mm-hmm. in, to be more and more important as you get into, yes. as the field matures. The more mature the field gets, the more important it's going to be to have a good artificial intelligence, good data, good machine learning, good, good ways of accessing the information that's there. And I do see a lot of, um, you know, new players coming into the space, which validates that it's legitimate. And I also think Mm -hmm. we're going to start to see some consolidation in that space in the, in the coming years. Yes. We saw some of that already in Mm -hmm. the last two weeks. (laughs) Strike Deck, for those of you who don't know, was acquired by Medallia. So congratulations to Strike Deck. And um, Natero was also acquired, I believe, Yep, recently. Yeah, so so. that's kind of what I see as the trends. What I hope to see. Yeah. So my my passion vision, kind of the the vision statement I'd like to put out to all the listeners of this podcast, is that I'd like to see the what we talked about. You know, the drop off on the ladder. Customer success is Mm -hmm. leading this charge right now, in terms of Mm -hmm. having better than average. gender diversity representation in the in the function as a whole and rather than Mm -hmm. seeing that drop off as the function becomes more sustainable i want to see it i want to see the drop off of the ladder go away and i want to see more equal women in the leadership ranks and that's a very selfish thing for me as a woman leader to say but that's what i want to see well, I mean, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's what makes companies perform well. That's right. Diversity helps companies perform. So for companies that want to be high-performing companies, they'll do that. They'll make sure that that happens, which is great. Absolutely. Um, so Irene, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today to discuss this very important diversity topic. I really appreciate your perspective and your insights. And I hope that our listeners all took away at least one thing that they can do differently to support gender diversity inside customer success. So I appreciate you joining us on today's episode. Thank you. You can get in touch with me through LinkedIn and you can, I'm Irene left. I, Irene Lefton. Yeah, Irene Lefton on LinkedIn. And you can get in touch with me over over Gmail, iflefton at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. And follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.